Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. And the last thing I need to mention to you guys is that um, I've been doing this medical lab job literally as guinea pig, and I haven't got paid from one of the facility. And I'm really angry with them because every time they said they're going to call me back, they don't, and they have not paid me. It's been over 60 days, and they have a history of not paying people. So I really appreciate if you guys go to Yelp to complain. Uh, I also appreciate if you guys go to Business Consumer Alliance and complain about them. So the name of the facility is Stay Well Research, uh, which is located in 8... 18250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. So the address is 18250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. And their number is 866-407-0266. Call them, tell them to pay Yoshi, okay? I appreciate it if you could do that. Number is 866-407-0266. And the company name is Staywell Research. Um... I would appreciate you guys putting pressure on these guys because for five or six months, I literally went there and give them my shit, literally. And they haven't paid me back for my shit. So contact Business Consumer Alliance. And the owner of of the company's name, Jay Udani, J-A-Y space U-D-A-N-I. I don't know who the fuck he is. I don't know what his background. I know that a lot of the workers were speaking Russian, but give me my money and get the fuck out of Ukraine and give me my money, you scumbag, Jay. And the company code, the number that refers to company to complain, their code is 1000906956. So guys, complain to them, call them, uh, call them to complain about not paying me, 866-407-0266. All right, guys, thanks, and uh, see you guys soon. Bye. You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm in Kansas City and I'm talking kind of in a low voice because it's probably like one in the morning. Kansas City Royals just won their fourth game, <laughs> American League fourth game, and they're going to the World Series, first time in 29 years. And I'm in Kansas City because I'm here with long lost friend, James <laughs> Inman is on the show. James, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Jesus, a long fucking time. I mean, literally, I mean, it's been 12, 13 years. Right, when we used to hang out in Seattle. Seattle, yeah. And, uh, it was that group, which was uh, Tana, Brody, Brody, and you. And James E. Mang. And, uh, yeah. Tracy Tufts. Tracy Tufts. Uh-huh. And um, we see Josh Wolf every once in a while and mm-hmm. Kelly Moran, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, James is a, a just incredible comedian, the winner of 1997 San Francisco International Comedy Competition. When... Back in those days, the competition was real, not watered down as it is, you know, last whatever many years. But James is a very fascinating guy, well-read guy. He, he actually read. He doesn't just go Wikipedia and read summaries of books. He actually <laughs> read the books. And um, 
I I um I think world of you. And uh yes, I'm bookables, uh, which is a documentary about a collection of comedians. Uh, uh, the show movie's produced by Doug Stanhope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug produced the movie. Andy Andrews, for sure. Andy yeah. Anders, Sean Rouse, me, Brad Erickson, Christine Levine, Travis Lipsky. Uh, and so... I'm only familiar with Sean Rouse and mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. uh, Andy Andrews and... Um, of course, world famous Doug Stanhope. You know, you know, whole, if if there is such thing as a Hall of Fame comedian, he's definitely one of those guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm glad I get the chance to see you because I'm driving back from Indianapolis to L.A. and I'll have to do a show in Vegas next week. But yeah, it's just it's just a strange day. You know, the Royals winning. <laughs> that's just that's. I know we, you don't give a shit about sports, right? In general, not but, really. Yeah, I don't follow sports. But this but is the first cool. time in 29 years. Uh-huh. And this is my yeah. first trip to Kansas City, and here we are. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, James, you, you, um, well, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit, like 15, 20 minutes upstairs. And, you know, I got to, I guess you have to leave in the morning, and we have a limited amount of time, and I got to move my fucking car. And, uh-huh, yeah. So uh-huh. we should jump into talking. We were talking for a few minutes, but I figured we, should, we might as well tape it. What are we talking about? Um, um, we're. I'm a little drunk because I'm Asian. I only need a one beer to get buzzed. <laughs> I know. I bought some beer because you were coming over. And, uh, yeah, I got arrested today. Um, That's why, because I, I keep calling, like, like 12 o'clock to, like, you know, making sure if it's still okay right. to you. I was driving back from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, I was doing a gig with uh, Doug Stanhope. Yeah. And, and I got pulled over because I never pay my tickets. I, I get tickets for expired tags. Yeah. And, and I rolled through a stop sign. I didn't pay that ticket, so I have a warrant out for my arrest, and I'm driving on a suspended license. Were you driving by yourself, or were you with somebody else? No, I was driving by myself. Okay. So I get pulled over in Lone Jack, Missouri, and um, I go into this jail cell that's like uh, Mayberry RFD. It's just these two little jail cells in a, a basically, it looks like a business office, you know. <laughs> There's So they tow your car one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then how do you get out? How does one get out in that situation? Somebody come and bail I call, you? Up? Yeah, I I had to call, I had to call my dad and so mm-hmm. you know he bailed me out and uh, I posted bail. I had I had like two hundred bucks in my wallet, yeah. you know, from last night. You know, I uh, did comedy. I had I got paid. So, but you can't bail yourself out, right? You know? <laughs> uh, so I'm dealing with that. Um, it's it's only two hundred bucks to bail yourself out of there. Well, it was one hundred and ten dollars I had to bail myself out. That's it. Well, yeah, it's. I, but somebody else have to do that for you, right? Yeah, somebody's gonna show up. I see. Wow, so, that was a really pretty girl walking in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so so he came down, get you out, and um, tomorrow you have to go back and get your card mm-hmm. out of there. Okay. So I, I, I kind of knew something was up, and I decided, like... Because you couldn't get a hold of me. You're driving into town. Yeah, because you you, you, you reassured me, like, you're going to be here. So I figured, like, well, i got to drive to that direction anyway. Worst come to worst, I'll just sleep in the car someplace near Kansas City and start <sighs> anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to see you because we hadn't hung out in a while. Yeah. And but now you're all famous. You're Yoshi. I mean... 
you're opening up for David Tell and not anymore, but well, not not famous. Well, I, I know I've in seen some circle. Yeah, I've seen some of your stuff. So what were we talking about? We were talking about. Um, well, when we got together, I would occasionally talk about philosophy and uh, like I would mention Nietzsche. Yeah. And then you you said something like, uh, "Have you read Behold the Man? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Echo Echo yeah. Homo. Echo Homo. Genealogy Morale. And right. Despite, Which is a very I strong. think it's a very funny book. Yeah. Because I I read it on your recommendation. Right. You know, because I was talking about Thus Book Zarathustra. Can I tell you something? I mean, I, I read some of those for sure. Whether I understood them, that's a different story, you know. I think I get. I think I understand Nietzsche in a way. I mean, he's really Asian. I mean, he's uh, he's Eastern in his uh, worldview in a way. A lot of people compare Nietzsche to Schopenhauer. Well, um, no, some because people, he was more Asian though. His philosophy and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Schopenhauer was interested father in, of pessimism in uh hinduism i mean uh yeah because uh, he mentioned the upanishads and bhagavad gita but uh those are the sacred uh, the hindu basis, texts the basis of nietzsche's philosophy is that there's no god and the only thing we have is our our own self our own consciousness i mean nietzsche was interested in the self in the in the individual and, you know, um, I, I, I agree with you, but the way I saw it was his contemporaries there in Europe when he was around, when he, when he say, this, this was my understanding, when, when he say God, God is dead, I think what he was saying, and this is the way I saw it, that most educated Europeans didn't believe in God, you know. They, right. didn't, they didn't see the relevance, relevance of God, you know. Uh -huh. And um, I... Um, I, there was a phase in like I was I, I was into his philosophy and right like but that. I, I mm -hmm. think he saw into the future where he knew that yeah. science was going to destroy God because uh, he talks about we have killed God we murdered God you know we have blood on our hands yeah. and where are we gonna go now where is up where is down where is left where is right you know yeah and uh, we're standing on this and what I liked about uh, thus book Zarathustra was that it it seemed like laughter and comedy was his one redeeming thing. Like whenever, you know, he, uh, there's, a, there's a part in the Thus Spoke Zarathustra where he peers into the abyss and he bursts out laughing. Uh, so, but it seems like... It's well, doesn't he say something like, when the abyss look into you... When you look at the interpest, the best looking to you. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, that's a famous quote, but yeah. but there's an ongoing theme in Nietzsche where he he seems like he respects laughter. Yeah. And f f uh, what is it, uh, frivolity or whatever? Um, it's almost defiance in a way too, because I don't think most religion kind of. Uh, yeah, promote, but he wrote, he, he wrote so. Thus Spoke Zarathustra. He mm -hmm. wrote it to sound like a religion. Yeah. When you read that book, what I find so funny about that book is that book is written in religious verse. You yeah. know, and it starts off saying uh, it's a book for everyone and no one. But, um, you know, by, the, by, the way, by the way, we were recording on the lobby of your uh, apartment. Right? Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, so, my girlfriend's asleep. Yes. And, uh, uh, but he's he's not as fascinating to me as Lao Tzu. Like when I got a um, copy of the Tao Te Ching, 
You know, I. Uh, <laughs> It I makes mean, me laugh because you're the only one ever mentioned that book to me. I've never read it. I know a little bit about it, but you're Asian, but you never read yeah, the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, but you're you're the one. That's fucked up. <laughs> that is really fucked up. You need to you need to go to your roots. Uh, no, um, you, the, you know what it is, James? Like, because I grew up in Asia, and there's many things I don't like about it. So it's so it's almost defiant in a way. I like Western thoughts because. There's more emphasis of freedom and things like that, you know, which I there was so there little. Was a, Lao Tzu was a total anarchist. Lao Tzu was into freedom. I mean, Lao Tzu had. I don't, a, I don't have a problem with him, but Asian society in general don't promote that at all, you know. Yeah, but it's it's the thing of it is one of the things that uh, is in the Tao Te Ching is those that know don't talk. Those that talk don't know. Yeah. So Asians are more like, you know, I'm all about action. Fuck philosophy. Fuck yeah. talking about it. You know, you show it. You do it. You yeah. you you be it as opposed to somebody talking about it. Uh, I think a lot of Western um, religion is is nothing but talking and yeah. not doing. Because when you go to church, what do you do? You go to church. You sit down. You listen to some guy talk for an hour. Sure. You know, that is a sermon. You look. I mean, to me, I, I find that absurd because. Well, it, it is it is a faith base, so you just accept. Uh, well, I didn't I didn't really get into the Gospels until I studied Eastern philosophy. I I um well, I hope this doesn't sound too pretentious, but I'm a no, little it drunk. doesn't. But I'm a, I guess I want to tell people like, you know, you're you're a very funny comedian, um, and you're you're an extremely smart guy. But it's always surprising when I, I when, when I don't know your background because if I just never met you and just listened to what you're saying, I would just assume you're like, okay, you might you must be from San Francisco, or simply from Manhattan, you know, or maybe from um, you know where University of Chicago that neighborhood, and you know, like a thinker, you know. But mm -hmm. um, you're from Kansas City, which is you know kind of conservative, right? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I'm from Kansas City. I've never felt at home here. I I liked Seattle. I did your parents encourage you like a different thinking, or this is something that you developed? No, it's a long story. I got interested in religion uh, mm -hmm. when I got into comedy. I saw Bill Hicks on stage, and and Hicks did you, this. You saw Bill Hicks in person, alive on yeah. stage, and uh, well, where he, was that? It was it was in Columbia, Missouri. It was actually at the Deja Vu, and he <laughs> wait wait wait, yeah, wait wait he had. So you saw him live at the same place I you saw performed Hicks yesterday. Live, um, not the exact same room, but a, a different room. But right. I saw Hicks live, and he got an uh, he got an encore that night. Yeah. But the weird thing was, during his show, he he had some jokes about religion. Yeah. And uh, he had this one joke uh, where he uh, uh, he was on stage. He had a cigarette, and he was, and there were balloons on on the on the back of the stage. Yeah. And he takes a cigarette, and he's doing this religious bit. And um, and he goes, fuck you, pilot. And he takes his cigarette and he bursts a balloon. Yeah. You know, and the balloon pops like it was the sound of a gun. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about? I did, at the time, I didn't even know who pilot was. Yeah. You know, and I asked my friend, what I didn't get that joke. What, is, what does he mean by pilot? And he goes, you don't know who pilot was? Uh during that religious bit and i i go no he goes pontius pilot pontius pilot uh, executed jesus Christ. right right and so i got well, well reluctantly 
He was pressured by the Jews. Well, to, yeah. I know, but they say that the Gospels were written by Romans. Yeah. So, um, so I was embarrassed that, you know, I knew that I read a lot because I was reading all yeah. kinds of stuff. And I was embarrassed that I'd never actually read the Gospels. So yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to read the Gospels. And so that led me to philosophy and religion, Buddhism, Taoism. Uh, and, and believe me, James is not saying this thing just because it's so hip right now. You were doing this shit. 96 or 97, whenever I met you. Oh, you, yeah, you, I went you, to a You Buddhist, were really into it. Well, I went know? to a Buddhist monastery yeah. eventually, you know, um, because I'd studied all the world's religions. Yeah. You know, I really loved the Bhagavad Gita. Like, I memorized a, uh, the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. So, and, and that's the sacred book uh, that go next to uh, Upanishad. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, But I always loved the Tao Te Ching. And mm -hmm. what I find is Chinese funny text. is... I find funny is you've never read it. Well, see, my my Western philosophy that I was born and raised in mm -hmm. is Christianity. But when you go to church, of course, Jesus is not in the church. I mean, if you want to know Jesus, just read one of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Don't read John. John is not considered a synoptic gospel. Uh, it's what does that word mean? It means... Uh, synoptic the gospels that are more authentic john was supposedly more poetic mm -hmm. and more john is more uh anti-semitic yeah. and it's more uh dogmatic but matthew i mean there's a there's a part in matthew where christ goes off on the religious leaders and it really sounds like bill hicks i mean it's it's <laughs> i mean i know this sounds funny but yeah. but christ you know, he goes off saying, uh, you hypocrites, you vipers, you tie up heavy loads on men's backs yeah. and you don't lift one finger to help them. You choke on a gnat and you swallow a camel. You make a big deal about little things, but you forget the stuff that's important, which is justice, mercy and compassion. I mean, his rant, Christ's rant in Matthew is is like a brilliant atheist like railing against the machine mm -hmm. and that's why he's been like a revolutionary i mean you can see yeah, everyone sees something in christ i guess but i mean i see christ as a revolutionary but of course i also for, love for, for sure you know i also love lao tzu um and and buddha now i got into buddha and then I ended up in a monastery, yeah. uh, you know, t st still to this day, I have about an hour's worth. But, you know, it, it actually kind of makes sense that, that you'll be interested in religion because gospel literally means good news. Uh -huh. And Sam Kinison was a son of Baptist and he used to preach. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And um, in a way, Bill Hicks, his contemporary was doing the same thing. He was going city to city, town to town bringing a good news as opposed as a stand-up well it makes people you know? laugh i mean he, he's a storyteller yeah um, for sure um i don't know so was I, Jesus. I, I, I see i i see my role as being a jester or a clown or mm. a fool or um a trickster you know that's my my archetype but um and that's a common theme throughout the world that, that the fool or clown or whatever you want to call it they're one of the few people exempt from not 
getting trouble for telling the truth, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Because we are foolish. Yeah. I mean, we're stupid. We're clowns. I mean, we we speak the truth. I mean, in Shakespeare, I mean, you notice a lot Was of it times. Was in Hamlet? There's a fool in. I think. Well, yeah, there's a fool in a lot of Shakespeare plays, but the fool usually says the most truthful thing, and then he goes off. Um, babbling mm -hmm. and wanders away, but sure. he's the fool was the one guy that told the king the truth. Was a Falstaff is one of those kinds of fool character in uh, Shakespeare, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not really into Shakespeare. I can't quote Shakespeare, but I I do know enough about um, one really good book. If you want to read a book about fools, jesters, and tricksters, there's a book called uh, Crazy Wisdom. And it's written by Wes Nixter. Mm -hmm. And it's got a chapter on uh, how basically the book is about uh, philosophy of absurdism. I mean, there's a chapter on Dada. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter on, uh, you know, clowns and fools. There's a chapter on Nietzsche. There's, I mean, he quotes Mark Twain, Nietzsche, Zen monks, you know, philosophical clowns. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so anyway, it's called Crazy Wisdom. Wes Nixter, that, that book really in, inspired me. But the one, the one book that really inspired me uh, for stand-up comedy is probably The Tao Te Ching. I mean, that book, I mean, I have been studying the Tao Te Ching for... What does it mean in, in, in Chinese? Do you know? Tao Te Ching? Yeah. It means like... I know Tao is used all the time. Like um, a, I mean, Lao Tzu supposedly means old, old boy. Or... Tzu means master. Like Sun Tzu was master's son who mm -hmm. wrote The Art of the War. Uh, if I remember right. What little Asian is I have? They, Tao Te Ching means like a book of the way or the I way. See. Um, I don't really know because the funny thing about the Tao Te Ching is it starts off saying the first chapter is about how the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. So it starts off talking about language, how mm -hmm. language is not absolute. So you're asking me, what's the definition of this word or... You know, I mean, Taoism is, is it actually kind of is detached from meaning, from words, yeah. you know, because it, it kind of taught me how to realize that you might say a word, you say a word, and you know what that means. You know what that word means. That's your own definition for that word. I say a word and I have my own definition for that word. So words don't have an absolute meaning. I mean, I love that idea. I fucking love that idea. Um, in the Western world, in, in this world, the word became flesh and flesh was God. I mean, uh, it's the it's the first part of the, the Gospel of John. Is uh, I mean, we we have this obsession with meaning and words in the Western world. Like this fucking, don't you know what I mean? Well, in the Old Testament, in uh, uh, Genesis, it's there with uh, uh, what is that? What's the one of the first thing that God said? 
Um, in the beginning, there's a word or, or logo, which is that's that's yeah. from John. Yeah. That's not from Genesis. Okay. That's from John. In the in the beginning was the logo, the yeah, word, the yeah. word. Mm. Also, also, you know, the word logic comes from that too. Logo, uh, yeah. logos, logic, yeah. Um, so I, I knew you know you you left Kansas City, you moved to Seattle. You're interested in reading, and um, you know my, my my problem with a lot of the comedians are like I I find. Some of them I do find interesting, but like sometimes they're limited in a way. Like um, they don't. Sometimes they don't seem to have many other interests outside of the comedy. Right? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. So it was kind of fun when I saw you, the world famous comedy underground. Um, it was underneath of a club called Swanee's, and I really missed that fucking place in uh -huh. Seattle. I yeah. Mean, I spent hours, hundreds of hours, hanging upstairs at the bar, hanging out with other comedians. We go under under downstairs to Comedy Underground where. I interviewed Carl, who used to be running the show, right. and you know Ron Reed and you and you know um, other big significant person I met from there was Mitch Hedberg, you, oh, yeah, uh -huh. Doug Stanhope, you know, and um, I, I even saw Mark Maron one time. Uh, I think even Louie years ago. I, I didn't talk to the guy, but um, it, it it really was fun, you know, because when I started, I I wasn't really thinking about making career out of it. I thought it was just kind of fun to hang out. This was high school 2.0, and you were always one of my favorite guy. Um, um, well, I'd been doing it 10 years before I moved to Seattle, so I had my chops, and then that's when I when met. You, so you, when you started in Kansas City, what was that like? Well, I noticed, I mean, I, I, I started off following all the rules. Yeah. I was like, I want to find a way to get laughs for five minutes. I don't care how I do it. Yeah. I don't care what I do. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do, which is make this audience laugh. And right. So I had a perfect five minutes, and then that turned into a perfect ten minutes. And then, you know, I got to a point where I was like, started getting hired for a feature act, so I had to come up with 30 minutes. But but when I got when I started headlining, I started doing bits about gun control. And sure. I, and I noticed that you know I couldn't get laughs, but I mean I I was big. What were you doing in Seattle? No, no, this is Kansas City. Oh. So. Yeah. So I. <laughs> you do have the wrong yeah, place. I noticed that like whenever I talked about politics or gun control, um, I noticed that they people would not laugh as much. Yeah, because they don't agree with you. Right. But when I moved to Seattle, they I noticed that. that all kinds of political jokes worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to just go on stage in Seattle and just talk off the top of my head. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I started doing that was just kind of an interesting story. When I went to uh, uh, Montreal, I got invited to the Montreal Just for Last Festival. Is and this I, after you winning the competition or? Yeah. yeah. And so I talked to somebody that uh, knew Bill Hicks and I was like, uh, so you any know, student of comedy, you have to watch Bill Hicks. Right. Yeah. And so I was interested. And in Doug Stanhope and Jim uh, Seaman. I was interested in uh, Bill Hicks's creative process. And yeah. I said, how did Bill Hicks write? Who did you talk to? I'm sorry. Uh, it was it was the guy that wrote the New Yorker article. There was some guy that wrote a New Yorker article about Bill Hicks. OK. And I said, what was his creative process? And the guy goes, Bill Hicks wrote on stage. I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy goes, he didn't have a notebook. 
he went on stage and he just started talking off the top of his head. Is that right? Yeah. And so at the time, I was like writing jokes down. I was I was memorizing the jokes and I was going on stage performing the jokes yeah. like an actor. And I was like, fuck, Bill Hicks didn't have a notebook. And one of the things the guy said was... 99% of the time, who, who, anyone else beside Bill Hicks doing that... Because they're fucking lazy. They right, right. Material. Uh, this guy said Bill had a saying, um, something like, uh, if, it was, if it's funny, you'll remember it. Yeah. Right? So I was like, holy shit. So I go out to Seattle, and I, 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 there's open mic night. They'll let anyone on stage. Yeah. Right? They'll give anyone five minutes. And I was a headliner, so I was like, I'm not going to get fired. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I started going on stage, talking off the top of my head for five minutes where with no jokes. Yeah. You know, it's just like I would I would just go up there and talk about whatever happened during that day. Right. Yeah. So sometimes it would just really eat it. And sometimes it would just kill. And I was like, holy shit, this is a new this is a new world. Yeah. And so I started kind of figuring out how to just kind of improv, like yeah. how to just talk off the top of my head. And I got good at it. And then that's when I actually, I became a halfway decent headliner because yeah. I, I was able to perform in, in front of pretty much any, yeah. any um, audience, you know, cause if, you know, I, I show up in Montana and I look out there and there's just a bunch of fucking rednecks. I just, you know, I just start talking off the top of my head. It's great because you 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 take a huge risk and risk and daring, and you know, another thing I remember from that that room that <laughs> when I saw Stanhope like one of the first time, he fucking walked a bunch of people fucking oh, yeah. out of there, uh -huh. and like, you know, I. I'm a completely different person from early 20s. You know, I still had a lot of Asian influence. And it was just like beyond me because in Asia, they would never increase that kind of behavior for comedy, you know, like mm -hmm. customer walking out of there. But I fucking loved it. I was really fascinated. Like, you know, you're a funny guy, but sometimes you say subject matter that get really under people's skin uh -huh. and then the reaction's bad. In fact, wasn't it in the comedy underground somebody tr ran up and tried to punch you? Right, that girl that tried girl. to punch me. Yeah, uh -huh. there's a clip of it. So like, I don't even, I don't even. It's been so long since I've seen it. But what did you say that like aggravated her? Well, this is weird because um, I was on to that whole. Right now, this argument is going on online because Bill Maher came out and said, "I'm going to criticize Islam, yeah. and it's not racist. It's merely about religion." Yes, it's 2014, and I don't want to, you know, say that I'm, you know, I actually had that same idea in fact he was uh, arguing with charlie rose Ye and he yeah, said, yeah years ago um yeah. you know after 9 11 i was like i'm going to criticize islam mm -hmm. because i study religion and uh the argument with me and this woman in in the audience was i was like it's so not you were talking about islam yes on stage and what, i told what, her what year was this oh uh, this is like 2002 or 2003 okay and I told her, I said, um, I, uh, I said, it's not a racist comment. You know, I'm talking about a religion. Right. Any race can wear a towel on their head. Yeah. White, black, green, blue, Asian. It doesn't matter. Um, 
it's just a joke about that towel on your head. I make fun of Mormons. They wear sure. weird shirts. You know, I, 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 I was talking about that, and I pissed her off because I was. She was. It's like, weird because I don't think she was Muslim, and she's a white woman, right? She, yeah, she was not Muslim. She was a white liberal. She climbed on stage and tried to punch me. Why? Well, because she thought I was a racist, and I, at the time, I was like, I'm, I'm doing a joke about religion. And she found that racist. I bet you if I said it, I don't know if she would have come and punched me because no, I'm not no, white. No. And uh, so that that video became viral on um, on YouTube. In and fact, it's in uh, uh, documentary Heckler. Right. I saw you. Yeah. Right. And then Doug, um, Doug called me up and Stand he's up, like, yeah. hey, I, I saw that video. I uh, I want to I want to make a like a group of comics called the Unbookables. And he posted this Unbookables page on his yeah. website and he put all of his friends on there me brendan walsh um andy andrus uh sean rouse and uh and my video of me getting punched right and he was like these are my friends who are unbookables and then this guy called me in seattle and said i want to make a movie yeah and so that's how the unbookables became a movie and now you're uh re-editing and adding new footage to finally give a real premiere for the movie or correct? right right because it, it, it technically hasn't come out you yeah know? um kevin booth um you know i was like well, the movie's you know already out he's like no it's not technically out it's not it doesn't have an isbn it's andy andrews i haven't seen since fucking 2003 11 years Oh, he, uh -huh. he was working on Man Show, and I, I I used to go there all the time. And uh -huh. whenever they they need a transsexual performer or gay guy, I brought I brought I brought them on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. my friend Vanity was on the show. Shemo. Oh, you know Vanity? Yeah, I I got her on the Man Show. I also uh, had her on a Talking Shit podcast two months ago, month and a half ago, and she fooled a bunch of people in the room at the LA Podcast Festival. They thought she was. A girl and one of the guy like sucking on her tits and stuff on stage. And then, and then I say, "Hey, Vanity, could you show your pussy?" And then she show her eight inch dick. And, oh my god! And he still liked it. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jason Hour, very funny guy. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so she's a big star. But yeah, I got her on the Man Show 2003 with Joe Rogan, Doug Sanhope. You know, I want to get on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, so bad because I'm I'm into conspiracy. I you know, um, you just gotta ask uh, Stanhope to help you on that because you'll no, be perfect. No, no, no. It's it, I called him and they said, "Well, you need to just come out to L.A. and hang out here for a couple weeks, and then, you know." But I think I could get into some interesting conversations with Joe because we're both into conspiracy and shit. You know, and he's a friend with Alex Jones too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for Alex Jones anymore. I'm I'm into um. I don't know what I'm into. So I occasionally go to uh, Infowars occasionally when you when you when you started doing comedy in Kansas City. So you have problem with political stuff. But so, so you did it for 10 years here. Yeah, I did it for 10 years. What was that like when you were doing it for 10 years here? Um, uh, you know, I became a headliner. I, I learned the craft. Yeah. And then but until I moved out to Seattle, I was able to like play around. You know, experiment. so you did all, all over Midwest, right? I played almost every state in the country except Hawaii, 
and uh, some of those little states up in the northwest like i haven't played maine or rhode island or, wow. or anything like that but i mean i've played you know new york down michigan what was a tough place for you to perform midwest well it depends oh, i mean i've had some really bad shows one of my worst shows was in poughkeepsie new york really uh yeah i had a bad show in uh, uh princeton new jersey i love that beautiful you could still see uh, uh where einstein lived uh yeah they um the club owner fired me but the audience liked me yeah in, in uh, poughkeepsie uh they didn't like me at all it hurts your ego when you can't get laughs you know but i'm I used mean, to that <laughs> well i mean i'm i'm pretty um i mean i understand the midwest you know mindset you know but i also the northwest seattle mindset i i mean i kind of yeah. get so i can i can kind of but who, I, who 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 are your ideal audience who respond the best with to you um i would say um couples um couples are you serious i get a lot of jokes about um relationships which sounds weird and it sounds like what uh, are you the love master <laughs> uh, yeah it sounds like it's a hack bit but i i've dated so many feminists that yeah. um that uh, these women i date uh were constantly arguing about the difference between men and women sure like uh i'll meet a woman and she's an intellectual feminist or whatever and i'll start arguing with her yeah and then next thing you know she wants to fuck me and then it turns into a relationship and i'm like oh my god i'm living with a fucking feminist i'm fucking a feminist and so i've got a lot of material when i go on stage i mean i i talk about relationships but sure. it's 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 because i i i fucking mean it yeah you know and so i think it's a new thing now it's like the edges you know uh, on facebook you know there's two main topics on my Facebook page, which is atheism and feminism. Those two ideals, those ideologies or whatever you call them. And they were, you know, they seem like the new um, religion or the new mindset type, you know. Don't. Definitely Catholic Church is not for it. And I'm sure any of the mullahs and, uh, you know, Right. I love pissing off. I mean, I, I end up talking with some, like I dated, when I lived in Seattle, I dated a, a, a professor of gender studies. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. Of course you it did. Was just, it was just weird because we would have these very interesting conversations, but when, then she just wanted to fuck me. And, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a yin yang thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like we were both equals and I was equally... I was standing up to her and she liked it because she didn't have too many people, you know, most Who people, would do that? most people would kiss her ass cause she'd show up to the college and you know, her, all of her fucking students were a bunch of, you know, left leaning liberal, you know, kiss yeah. ass, you know, but she's like, I was like, why do you like me? Yeah. Why is it that you like me? And she goes, she goes, I can't introduce you to any of my friends because they would never talk to me again. Yeah. You're my dirty little secret. <laughs> and so she just secretly wanted to fuck a heterosexual man. Well, then she must have been bisexual, right? No, I no. No, she would you know, I don't think so. She might have been. Uh but um yeah, she just 
wanted to fuck a man that was a guy that was, um, I don't know, um, unapologetic, mm-hmm. you know, and believe believe in things that they say. Right. I I, I stood up to her and I called out her bullshit, and yeah. she was like, "Nobody does that to me. Who is this guy? I want his cock." <laughs> you know, and uh, she came to my show. And I I did all my relationship bits. You know, they're they're pretty edgy. I'm surprised because you know my ideal audience for me is like the drunk white male audience in Chicago. Whenever I open a tell, the, the, to me, I, I did I did like anti-social network show, which is Jim Norton, um, um, Bell Burr, Dave Attell, Amy Schumer, Jim Brewer. That fan base are my fan base, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, um, not so much ethnic groups, you know, because I think it's it's too much. It's definitely not for black Latinos because they're they tend to be religious, and I'm not a religious person at all, and mm-hmm. I could be insensitive. But for me, drunk white guys are the the best audience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give me the best response, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Um, you did a bunch of shows in Kansas City. You moved to Seattle. Now you're back in Kansas City. Um, you know, and, and you work a lot with, uh, sounds like you do work with a Stanhope. And, um, yeah, I'd like to work more with Stanhope. Um, I'm just nervous around him because he's, he's getting a lot of heat. I mean, he's like, he's like the next Bill Hicks and people like worship this guy. And he's my friend or my, you yeah. know, I, we used to be peers, but now he's like famous. I mean, he's so fucking famous. In well, he's famous and yeah. I'm not. And so I'm scared to call him. I'm scared to talk to him. I'm, why, I mean, why would you be scared with him? Because he's just so fucking famous. It's just like everybody. Like I don't think. Does he really give a shit about being famous, though? He's nice to me, but because we go way back. But I told him on the phone, I said, Doug, one of the reasons why I call you very much because I know a million people are calling you and yeah. I was like I, I don't want to bother you yeah I don't want to bother you Doug so that's our relationship our relationship is he's famous and I'm yeah. not you know what did he say he just laughs you know he's he's never serious he's rarely serious uh, he's always been nice I mean I, you know funny things you know, you and I, we were good friends with uh, Stan Chan, very mm. funny comedian. Mm. And he's a big fan of David Hill. Like, and I'm really dirty compared to him. He's dirty, but I'm I'm worse, you know. <sighs> and it's really interesting. I would have thought I would have ended up opening more for Stan Hope and Stan Chan will be opening more for David Hill. But it's the other way around. I've never done front of, show in front of Stan Hope ever. Not once. Well, I mean, it's not that hard to open for Stanhope. I mean, he he usually, when he travels. Well, I mean, I've never done it, and but well, I've done, literally like close to like maybe hundred show, over several hundred, several hundred. Um, well, you've never met David him. If, if you met Doug, and you, oh, no, I'm known I'm I'm known him for like ninety six or ninety seven. Yeah, but he's I don't know. He's I so mean, elusive, you know. But I know yeah. Bingo, his girlfriend, and. When I when I used to bring porn for the man show, he was really nice, you know. But. Oh, uh huh. Well, I don't know. I always like when I first met you. I was always drawn to you. I was like, who is this guy? I got to talk to him. And so we started talking, and 
And uh, I was surprised at all the books you read. Well, because, like, well, I know, but let's tell a funny story since we're doing a podcast. All right. I have a funny story about you, too, but I don't um, know if you like it. Here's my funny story about the group that we were in in yeah. Seattle. Yeah. And Kelly Moran. Yeah. Rest his soul. All right. You're not mad at him, are you? No, no. Kelly Moran died. Um, he did something bad. What? He did, he did something bad to you, kind of. No, not Kelly Moran. What are you talking about? Okay. No, here's the story that I have about Kelly Moran. All right. Is that we were all hanging out. You, me, yeah. Tana, Manu, yes. and Brody. Stevens. And Josh Wolf, Wolf. was there. Yes. We all made fun of Josh Wolf. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know. And so he's doing really well with Chelsea. Hammer, yeah, I, I know he is. I don't, I don't want to say anything negative about Josh Wolf, but Josh was always the sidekick. All right. We we made fun of Josh, but we did? I didn't make fun of Josh. <laughs> did I? I don't know. He was just uh, he was. Too I think people made fun of him because he was such a good looking guy. Doing he comedy. was too good looking to do com comedy. Yeah, yeah. he's too good looking for comedy. He was too cool cool to be yeah. a comic and and brody and was, a lot of girls brody was not cool <laughs> brody was not cool tana was creepy weird you were an asian but it was this group that we hung out with yeah. and none of you fuckers did drugs or drank tana didn't drink brody didn't drink or do drugs or smoke pot you didn't drink or smoke pot that is true right and so we all hung out and then Kelly, Kelly. No, now let me tell this story. Yeah. Don't interrupt me. So then Tana got good. Yeah. And then Tana was like, uh, I'm going on the road. I'm going to be working with Kelly Moran. Right. Right. And so Tana, who was a Mormon his entire life, and never done half, a half a Samoan, half, half, half Samoan, goes on the road with Kelly Moran. Now, Kelly Moran was a notorious pothead. Kelly Moran smoked pot every fucking day. And if you don't know who he is, he used to be the uh, piano player for Jim Carrey in at the comedy store. All right, go ahead. Right. Uh, um, so, uh, and it's weird because Doug and Kelly Moran got in some argument years ago about. They did? Well, I'll, I'll go into that. I want to hear that but, too. But when I hung out with Kelly Moran, he was not a racist. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, anyway, so. At least not in public. <laughs> let me get to this. Let me get yeah. to the story. Um, so Tana goes on the road to Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran's smoking pot. Tana goes, what's up with that? And uh, and Kelly goes, you've never smoked pot? And Tana goes, no, I've never smoked pot in my life. And Kelly goes, okay, you're going to smoke some pot tonight. I'm going to get you high. We're going to smoke pot, right? And so... Tana said, okay, I'll smoke pot with you. And so Tana smoked some pot, right, and got high with Kelly Moran. Tana was like, what, was he 27 at the time? or Something like that, yeah. Right. And he comes back to Seattle. He tells Brody. He tells you about this new thing, marijuana. Yeah. Right. And so you guys are like, oh, let's try it. Tana likes it. And so Brody starts smoking pot. You start smoking pot. Yeah. And I, that's when I realized you guys used to come down to the Seattle Comedy Underground all reeking of pot. Your eyes were fucking half closed and you're red. Excuse me, my eyes are always like yeah, that. Yeah, you're always, yeah. 
but you were stoned out of your mind, and I was like, oh, my God. Kelly Moran started this shit. Can I tell you, we were smoking so much pot that during 1999 World Trade Organization uh, protest, we got up that Tuesday morning, and we were smoking weed, and like, oh, that looks like fun. So we drove <laughs> hour up to Seattle from Tacoma, Washington, see 70,000 angry people, and it was one of those weird protests where Usually when you have protests, they're protesting like one thing. Like today, I drove through Ferguson, Missouri. They were angry about the police officer <sighs> shooting uh, right. Michael Brown. But it was 70,000 people in downtown Seattle angry about wide variety of different things. Uh, the growth hormone for cows, labor union days, uh-huh. sweatshop, you know, NAFTA, uh, people who had enough on and on. I mean, we got fucking tear gassed. And, right. you know, I lost Tana for like a half a day. Oh, really? Yeah. And we got tear gas in 1999 because we were smoking so much weed when people were getting pepper spray. We thought it was fucking hilarious. We drove up there and we got fucking shellacked. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> that's when I was I don't want to get fucking, you know, we're new world older guys trying to beat me over the head with a stick and shit. like Right, that, right, right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So that's when I said, I, I don't need fucking pot. I still I know, smoke you were, every you once were, in a while. But. Yeah, but you you smoked it with Tana and Brody. Yeah, I mean, in my you house. guys, you guys were. I mean, it's it's like it all happened after you met Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran. In fact, he he gave me painkiller, and Tana said it's good with beer, which it is not. You could you could fucking die oh. when you take. Uh, and he eventually pain. died when you take painkiller and alcohol. And Tana was telling me because he was so high and drunk. But yes. Uh, that's bad. I found out later on you're not supposed to do that. And our right. good friend Kelly Moran, who also happened to die from that, right? He died yeah. because he was taking painkillers and, and drinking beer. alcohol. If I if oh. I remember right, yeah, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember when Kelly Moran died. I said some prayers for him. I mean, I studied the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and so when when somebody died, this is almost ten years ago, for God's sake. Yeah, it was, but I, I'm still to this day, I study the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And so when one of my friends die, yeah. I have to say like two and a half hours of prayers. I mean, it takes a long time. Sure. And so um, when Kelly Moran died, I knew that there was that whole thing with him and Doug because um, the club owner in fucking Oklahoma was a racist and Kelly Moran was Redundant. his friend. Mm-hmm. And Doug, Doug got was supposed to work there or something or Doug got in an argument with a club owner and it was had something to do with racism and so I remember right I remember there's a big news about that did right. he and, did he get an email from me and, and, saying? and yeah and and Kelly was trying to defend the club owner and he was trying you know to, why because I think that club has something to do with Kelly because Amarillo Texas right right it was I think, Texas I think I think the club if I remember right I think he owned it and I think he's Kelly brother. was part owner. Yes, I remember. Right. And so Doug said, "Fuck you." I remember. Yeah, fuck I remember. you. You guys are racist. And Kelly was trying to make you know make peace, right? Um, and, and so, and, and by the way, that club owner has something to do with him not being friend with Tana because Tana went down there, did a lot of the construction shit, and Kelly Moran kind of fucked him by not paying him. What? That's, really? Yeah, I was mad about that because Tana was living with me. Tana Moran was living with me. And he was supposed to pay, uh, trying to help me with rent and stuff. And I needed money. And Kelly said, Kelly Moran said, why don't you fly into Texas and work on the club? And once you, once you work there and fix a built uh, club, I'll give you the money. You could pay Yoshi with uh, uh, rent and shit like that. And he fucked Tana? He fucked him and me. So, oh, um, fuck. 
you know, it's really it's, yeah, yeah. And that I, ever since that happened, I never saw them again. And like Floyd J. Phillip, the black comedian that we know, yeah. When I was talking to him, all of a sudden, a middle of the conversation, he goes, "Oh, hey, you should talk to Kelly." And he just hang up, passed the phone to him. It was really awkward because he fucked Tana. And I was supposed to get money from the money that he was supposed to pay Tana, but oh. that was the last time I talked to him. And I think within year, year and a half, Kelly Moran supposedly died from, you know, taking painkiller and alcohol. That's why. Oh. And funny things, I went to his wake at the comedy store. Really? Yeah, something. Uh, Cash was there. His ex-wife was there, and the daughter was there. And um, the comedy store. Yeah, they had a wake for him, if I remember right. I was there. Well, yeah, I I remember him from being. Uh, I, I'm out. so fucking old. I lived so well, many years. Well, I mean, here's the weird thing about my story with uh, Kelly Moran is Kelly Moran actually fondled my ex-wife. I thought he fucked her. He almost fucked my ex-wife, and my ex-wife was like, "Oh my god, James, you won't believe what happened." I was downstairs, oh and uh, Kelly Moran came on to me. Yeah, and he started kissing me, and he started putting his hands down my pants. Yeah. And she's like, he's really hot. I might have been flirting with him. I feel really bad. You're not mad at me, are you? You're not mad at me that I kissed Kelly Moran. <laughs> yes. And I was like, no, Brent. I mean, to, uh, Tracy, I'm not mad. You know, Kelly is kind of hot, you know. I but I remember talking to Kelly about that. And like, I remember. So what? So Kelly told you I kissed James <laughs> Inman's gr- wife? No, but I I could have sworn he told me he he said I I, I could have sworn Kelly said he fucked your wife. Oh really? That's, Kelly Moran fucked my wife. That's what I remember. Well, you know it might be true because it, it, it was awkward. Like because later Tracy, on, <laughs> Tracy may have. Been, this is so funny. After fifteen, like, sixteen years you know, later, Tracy may have fucked Kelly Moran, and yeah. then she tried to like tell me part of the story but not really tell me the story yeah. you know what i mean like i mean my impression was kelly i thought kelly told me he kelly fucked your wife yeah. Moran, fuck my wife right yes your ex-wife <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why it's so funny after 15 fucking years well I'm, i mean tracy said that they didn't fuck she said oh he, he told me he fucked her and he told me it was really uncomfortable the next time when the first time he saw you after he fucked your wife <laughs> Oh my God! Because what Tracy said was Tracy said she came upstairs and she said, "Oh my God, James, I'm really sorry." Uh, Kelly Moran tried to kiss me and he put his hands down my pants and I I knew there was something fishy. I was like, "What happened?" I mean, he was a good-looking guy. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. And Kelly was a funny guy. He was funny, but he 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 fucked you out of money. He. He was part racist. I mean, Doug was pissed at him. I mean, the whole. I, I like Kelly, but I've I've heard him say, in a in a very sweet way. I may, I heard him say the word nigger many many times. Oh, I have too. Yeah. I heard him. But say, he he wasn't saying like, hey, nigger, like in a no, American no, history dude. X way. You know what I mean? But oh <laughs> my God, no! I've heard him. I heard him say the N word myself, and I've said it many, many times. I've said it every. Well, I've said it too. I, I've I've said every possible well, horrible thing. I've said I've every say. possible thing. It's yeah. like talking. I mean, I've said. I mean, I've done black shows and said the word nigger many times. So, right, right. Um, so he's a comic. He knows that. I I, I just don't know where the racism. God, I'm so drunk. All right, go yeah, ahead. where you actually pass laws yeah. that have, you know, an effect on. You know, black people. I mean, but he, you know, fuck. I don't know. Personally, 
I'm. He I, was very sweet to black people when I, he dealt I, with them. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have no. As a writer, as a comedian, I have no problem with the words. But when it comes to, he said, like, "Jap and chinks and slope and gook front of me too." So, oh really? Yeah. And that didn't bother you? No, those are words. I'm right. racist, so that's okay. <laughs> You're racist towards the North Koreans. No, I mean, I, do you have a problem with North Korea? Did, I don't have. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you that story about the? Um, I was talking to this Asian girl at a comedy club once, and I did, had a really good show, and she came down. She was beautiful and yeah. she was talking to me she was like i want to hang out with a comedian and um i was like where are you from she goes korea i go where are, are you from north korea and she punched me in the arm really hard like <laughs> fuck you i'm not at the time yeah oh no no here's here's more of the story i meet her we start talking and we start talking about philosophy politics and religion yeah and we get on socialism it turns out she was a fucking hardcore socialist this is in seattle no this is in kansas city this is a korean wow, girl weird. yeah korean girl i'm talking to hardcore socialist pro-union you know pro-union socialist i mean liberal uh, whatever we're talking about liberal stuff and i go man it's fucking you were hardcore and i said to her i go are you North Korean? And she punches me in the arm. She's like, fuck you. No, I'm not North Korean. I'm a socialist, but I'm not a North Korean. I don't know where that comes from because I, I, you know, if you go long enough back in your, my family background, there must be someone from North Korea. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, it all started in the 50s. Right, right after the Korean. Uh, I mean, uh, so... All the fucking myths started in 1905, Russo-Japanese War. They were fighting over the Korean Peninsula between Russians and Japanese. Japanese pulled a Pearl Harbor 1.0 by bombing Port Arthur in Russia. And eventually, Theodore Roosevelt, the cousin of FDR, became a broker of uh, uh, promoting peace. He won Nobel Prize in peace and ended up uh, helping Japan winning, you know, uh, basically winning the war and help them uh, come to a negotiation where Japan occupy Korean Peninsula. But after World War II, there was a fight between China trying to control northern part of uh, North Korea and southern part of the West, the Americans uh, particularly. So um, the fight was over, you know, ideology, pro-West and pro-communism, whatnot. So. I have relatives like, you know, they're from North Korea. So what? It, it, it doesn't say anything bad about them. They're living under terrible regime. And some of my relatives from North Korea or in South, they, for one reason or another, ended up in Japan. And I'm an ethnic Korean with Japanese name living in fucking America Japan and, 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 and mm. live in the USA now. Right. And so I don't know. I don't know why she feels that way. Like, you know, it's, it's not a reflection of you if you or your family from North Korea. Thank God you're not there anymore. That's what really matters, you know. But um, enough about politics stuff. But going back to Kelly Moran, what was what was it like like after you saw him the first time? Like you, when you find out he was kind of missing, made a move on your wife. I mean, that's got to be no. Weird. Well, I saw him on stage first, and uh, he I, I, he came up from L.A. and mm -hmm. it was always Kelly Moran from L.A. and he was living in Seattle for some reason, and I thought he was funny. 
Yes, you know, I do too. And uh, he wasn't a racist on stage. I mean, he didn't do any racial. He joke. did. He say racist things, but he was not racist. But he was damn funny on stage, and so. Um, but he was like in the periphery. I mean, at the time, it was me, you, Brody, and Tana, and we were just like this clique. You know, I used to hang out with Brody and go over to his house and. I loved Brody. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I didn't know if Brody was going to be famous, but I knew I wanted to be around. He had something, something. I knew I wanted to be around him. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually lived with Tana for a while. I slept on Tana's couch when I was homeless. I was virtually homeless. And I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have any money and, uh, he had some beer. Like Tana never drank. Tana was a Mormon or something. This is before uh, he smoked pot. And yeah. and so I things were things were so tough for Tana that he, you know, he he done like three or four of my episodes early on. But things were tough that when he was sixteen, was barely seventeen, he joined the Marines, getting permission from right. his parents. He said Marine was so much easier than living out his impoverished. Half Mormon, uh, Mormon, half Samoan, half white. Right, then. right. So I'm staying with Tana, and uh, he, he's he got a refrigerator. I open up the fridge, and he's got a case of beer in there. Yeah. I'm like, Tana, what's up with this beer? And he says, oh, some guy gave it to me. I don't drink, and uh, I just have it in my refrigerator. And so I proceeded to drink that entire case of beer. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell, Inman? You drink all my beer. I'm like, Tana, you don't drink. What do you care? Yeah. You know, um, do you remember the, the porn? Uh, should I talk about this? Yeah, go ahead. No. What? You're going to, you might, I don't know. No, forget it. We have one of our friends who used to film. Uh, <laughs> what? what, 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 what? Uh, you want to tell the story? I, I want to tell the story. It's funny. The, don't mention the name. Okay. So, Even though people could probably infer who we're talking about, but go ahead. All right, so no names. He used to film his girlfriends because he had a video camera. This yeah. is before the internet, <laughs> yes. Right, and he he would bring a girl over. <laughs> right, he was, he was dating, and he would fuck her, and he would videotape it, and then he would show us the videotapes. You're forgetting one important part: the the camera that he used. It looks like a, a fire detector. So she doesn't even know they're being filmed. No. Well, one time, one of the girls said, is that camera on? And he goes, no, it's just recharging. I'm, I'm recharging <laughs> yes, the camera. The That's why the light's on. Yeah. Because I'm recharging it. And then she goes back in bed and proceeds to fuck him. Right. Yeah. And so one of these girls uh, that he videotaped, uh, she's like, oh, no, Tana, it's it's too big. I mean, it was actually this Tana had a huge cock. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, uh, whatever. <laughs> you stupid. All right. Tana has this gigantic <laughs> yes. cock. It's like 12 foot long. It's thick. It's huge. And it it's was, got its own uh, right. zip code. It's yes. got its own elbow. Yeah. You know, and so um, I'm watching this and I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's actually, you know, this girl is complaining that his cock is too big. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're all sitting around you, me, Brody, Tana. And uh, somebody says, I don't know if Brody was there. No, but um, OK, but um, uh, all right. So, I will eat popcorn and watch it. Right. So we 
we were all sitting there going, hey, did you see that that video that uh, Tana? And, uh, and we all said, yeah. And we all looked at each other. And there's a silence. It got real quiet. And Brody, <laughs> out of nowhere, goes, it's just, just, am I gay or does Tana have a really big cock? <laughs> does that make me gay? And we we're all sitting there going, yeah, I thought it was huge too. It was the biggest fucking cock I've ever seen. It was bigger than, than uh, you know, I've seen porn videos sure. that, you know, Tana ranks up there with some of the biggest fucking cocks in porn. You saw it. You know what I'm talking about. Sure, I worked in porn business too. Right, right. So, um, but these girls were, you know, I mean, they were, they were his girlfriends. You know, he videotaped him, or or prostituted. Well, I don't know. Maybe you should cut this whole thing out. Why? I'm, well, I'm too lazy. Too late now, James. <laughs> um. So you, you going back to comedy? So you know, so you were doing comedy for a long time in Seattle area. So I left 2003. Where the fuck were you in 2003? I don't, I don't, I don't even know when was. I was the last living time I saw in Kansas you. City in 2003. Why did you leave Seattle? Mm, that's when uh, Tracy broke up with me. Your wife, ex-wife. Yeah. Uh huh. I went on the road for. I mean, my biggest uh, desire was to just be booked constantly for you know for the longest time after i won the san, uh, san francisco comedy competition my manager booked me for three months on the road so i, I remember had, that yeah i had three months booked every week like new jersey atlanta texas austin you know so i was i was in a different city every you know every week sure for three months and i came back to town and uh, my wife said, we got to break up. I can't deal with this. Yeah. You know, I was gone for three months. Sure. And uh, she had met another guy. That's that's the real reason, wasn't it? Yeah, she met this other guy named Dano. He was cool. I actually, uh, I liked him. And uh, he, the funny thing was, um, when I came back into town, he had some of his stuff there in our apartment. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I'm went, not a marriage counselor, yeah, but that's usually yeah. not a good sign. And then I go back on the road. I come back, and he's got more stuff there. Like, than your shit. Yeah, he's got his bicycle in my apartment. <laughs> yes. Right? So I go back on the road. I come back, and and, and Tracy goes, um, James, I have to tell you, uh, Dana was going to be sleeping tonight in the bed. Yeah. In our bed. I go, Tracy, I know you're dating Dana, but I have no place to sleep. Yeah, and, I and I'm your whole husband. Yeah, and I'm your husband, technically. Yeah. And I go, can I sleep on my own couch that I bought? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I bought this couch. Can I sleep on the couch while you sleep with your boyfriend? Yeah. So, yeah, I had to sleep on my couch while my ex-wife slept with Dano, who, <laughs> who I liked. Yeah. I mean, I liked him. Was he a comedian? No, no, he wasn't comedian. He's just this cool guy or yeah. whatever. And so when we broke up, it was amicable or whatever. Yeah. I was like, you like him. I'm moving on. Can I ask, can I tell you something? Like, at least it's very interesting. You're so like e Eastern philosophy almost. Like, Detached. 
because most guys will get angry about that stuff, you know. Well, at the time, I was studying a lot of Buddhism, you know. Uh, so um, I just got back from a monastery, and uh, so uh, I, uh, you know, the only way I could deal with it is through detachment. So I just became the Buddha, and I was like detached from this whole thing. I think George Harrison, who was influenced by Eastern philosophy, was very similar to that. I think. I don't know which, was it Eric Clapton who fell in love with George Harrison's wife? But he was like, okay, well, I'm cool with it. Like, go for it, you know? Like, it's really interesting that people have that kind of like. Yeah, like, yeah, the thing, I learned a lot from Buddhism. I mean, it, it, it almost reminds me of like, um, maybe if an Asian guy got a hold of the Gospels and, you know, um, but when I got a hold of Buddhism, uh, it changed my life. You know, I I, in, I I went to two Buddhist monasteries, and so when my wife um, met a new guy, I I was detached. I didn't uh, I didn't get mad. I didn't freak out. I just uh, meditated. At the time, I was meditating on the Dao Jing. I had the entire. I'm drunk. All right, so I'm just gonna. I had the entire Tao Te Ching memorized. And yeah. So I used to sit and meditate on the Tao Te Ching. So when she met him, she was happy. And I was happy that she was happy. You know, I wasn't jealous or wasn't mad yeah. or whatever. And so I moved on. And I met some incredible women after that. You know, after I left my wife, I met an opera singer. I met Lizzie Cass. And then I... Um, uh, I met Stacia. I lived with Stacia for a year and a half. And Can I tell you, Terry? There was this, don't mention her name, but she was a very pretty comedian. You have sex with her. For some reason, something between her legs were not right. Like she had an STD or something. Don't mention her name because I can't, I'm not going to edit. There was a comic. She was, she was, she was kind of like crazy, funny. I met her in Seattle. Yeah, what about her? I remember you fucked her, but you told me later on, she might have had some problem between her legs, like she might have given you something. No, no. You know what I'm talking about, which comic? She disappeared. Last time I saw her, almost close to 10 years now. No, no, that was the comic that she had... You know who I'm talking about? She kind of had a clear, curly hair, nice tits, pretty white girl. She might have been Jewish, but she was around for a couple of years in Seattle. And I think yeah. you were kind of hanging out with her and like. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was this one girl that was hot that just had a perfect body. She yeah. was young, and I hooked up with her, and she had just fucked um, Craig Gass, another funny comedian who does voices right. for Harvard. Stern. And so um, she was talking about Craig Gass. Yeah, Craig Gass just fucked me, and uh, he left some cocaine in my apartment. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, first of all, I go, what, when she mentioned the cocaine, I go, first of all, you fuck Craig Gass, right? Yeah. And now you're mentioning cocaine. I'm going to do Craig Gass's cocaine, yeah. and then I'm going to fuck you. I said that to her. Mm -hmm. And so we we basically proceeded to do Craig Gass's cocaine that he left <laughs> yeah. in that apartment, and then I fucked her. And then while I was fucking her, she's like, look, I'm bisexual. I can't, I can't get off unless you fuck me in the ass. Yeah. And so I had to fuck her in the ass just to get her to have an orgasm. Uh, and she is was, that from the the Chinese text, fuck her in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she had a perfect body. Yeah. This girl was, I, I won't mention her name. She was a comic, 
in Seattle. Is she doing? She's not doing comedy she anymore. She's bisexual. I don't know if she's still doing comedy anymore, but she was doing it for a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, she was one of the hottest women I've ever <laughs> fucked. And when she said, "Look, I can't, I can't come unless you fuck me in the ass," I was like, "Well, I guess we're gonna, I'm gonna have to." <laughs> Oh, that speaks out. Yeah, sister. And it made it even better. It made it, it when I was doing Craig Gass's blow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a porn story. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think Craig Gass is going to be proud of it because he's trying to be all professional and he is. But he mentioned yeah. before in public, I think, when he used to do coke. Oh, this yeah. Is, this is Craig, a long time ago. He, Craig used to do a lot of coke. And, uh, <laughs> Great. All right. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he he cleaned up. He went to AA and yeah. he got his life back together. I mean, he's sober now and he's famous or he's getting a lot of work and sure. stuff. I'm friends with him on Facebook. You know? Sure. But I know Craig Gass back when he was funny. And Craig Gass got into a fight with Brody. Brody, yes. I was there when he when Brody went up and tried to punch him in the face. And the weird thing was, was I was friends with Craig and Brody. So I didn't know. I didn't know. I couldn't take sides. I mean, I didn't take sides. I mean, I like Brody and I like Craig. This is the, this is the way I remember. I remember Brody saying something about it's it's really tough trying to compete with Letterman Leno because he and Tana Manu used to have a public public access cha uh -huh. channel show called Juice and Samoan Saving the World. Yeah. And then Craig Gass uh, went after him, a couple of people afterwards saying, like you fucking comparing yourself with Leno and Letterman, mm -hmm. so he was making fun of Brody. He didn't Brody didn't appreciate it, and the way I remember, he went up and tried to punch him in the face. Who Brody? Yeah, and Brody's not a little dude. He's a big dude. Yeah, but, athlete too. Yeah, but you had a a violent confrontation with somebody. Yeah, I'm violent. I'm Asian. Well, no, no, but the weird thing is, most of the time you're um you're you're a very calm and collected. Sure, but the. The thing that happened with you and some other guy at the underground is you snapped and fucking karate chopped somebody. Wait, who was this? Uh, I remember you snapping at the underground and everyone was like, oh, my God, did you hear what happened? Um, uh, I can't remember. There's Yoshi, so many of those. Yoshi, uh, got, you got mad at somebody and you, you, you fucking beat him down. I did? It happened really quickly. And it was over within like two seconds, and everyone was amazed. We were all, we were all like, "He never gets mad." So when you get mad, you get mad all at once, and then it's gone. Yeah, you know, you know, it's just this thing that I try to avoid situations like that or certain people that aggravate me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be around. Like maybe if I work really hard, maybe I could have gone back to Evil Angel, but I knew that if I went back. That several people who fucked me over, I would have probably punched the guy in the fucking face. And right, right. you know, yeah, because um, um, I I don't like bullies going looking for problems. But for me, if somebody crossed the line, do something pers uh, personal to me, especially if I was loyal to that organization, they treat me like that. Then I feel like, and it's not acceptable behavior. But like if they cross me, I feel like I need to kick that person's fucking face in. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's but, why I mean, I'm not really into Asian culture because they don't really promote that sort of thing, you know. Well, nobody promotes no culture promotes violence, but occasionally it happens. Like uh, when you need to read Well, yeah, when shit hits the fan, um, there's a there's a um, a passage in the Tao Te Ching, um, 
Uh, you love that book. Yeah, you love yeah. that book. There's a passage in the Daddy Jing, and we should probably end with this. I'm drunk, and let me see if I can. Uh, vi- um, I got buzzed too. All right. Weapons are tools of violence. All decent men avoid them. Weapons are tools of fear. A decent man will avoid them except in the direst necessity, and if compelled, will use them only with the utmost restraint. So the Daoijing is not necessarily against violence. The Daoijing understands that violence does happen sometimes. And sometimes it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I kind of like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a acceptance of the way things are you know what's weird like i know joe rogan right and i've been on joe rogan's uh, podcast mm-hmm. he knows a lot of mixed martial art guys and but like more of these guys know more martial art they're more inclined not to use violence because they if you're driving freeway and you're a ferrari and like toyota corolla is trying to race you you already know who's going to win so there's mm-hmm. like you don't even care anymore you know and um uh, I don't. I don't know why I was telling you that. Well, I mean, it, it's it's about. Um, there's also a thing in the Daoijing. Um, uh, I'm not looking for problems, but if the problem comes when, uh, to, come to the, me, I'm going to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, one of the great lines of the Daoijing is mm. uh, when two great forces oppose each other, the victory goes to the one who knows how to yield. So, like, let's sounds say, like a jiu-jitsu right there. Well, let's say you meet someone that is your perfect opponent. Yeah, it's usually good to yield. You know, uh, you you gain the upper hand. You almost use your opponent's strength against that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, a is a lot like judo. Yeah, I mean, judo is, is yeah. a lot of leveraging. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, we should. We should. Uh, you know, I have to go to. I have to go pee. Yeah. I think we've been talking for an hour. Uh, hour and 14. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll stop. How long have we been talking? Hour and 14. But, uh, James, it, it's a great seeing you. I don't know when I have to leave because i got to move the fucking car, but it's been 12, 13 years. I'm very happy to see you mm. in Kansas City. Very, very weird time <laughs> because they literally won the last game. They swept the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. They were going to World Series first time in 29 years. And uh, uh, and we have Google Fiber here in Kansas City. And who was the player for uh, Brett? What's his name for Kansas City? Um, uh, Brett. Uh, fuck. Uh, Brett. He got really angry because the 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 the, the, the referee thought he corked his bat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'm I'm very happy for people of Kansas City because my Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl first time ever, and uh, they've been waiting for a long, long fucking time. I was a fucking I was a fucking teenager the last time they won a fucking World Series. So this is my first time driving up here. I literally went to, uh, when you call me, I went to the stadium, took a bunch of pictures over there. I also took a picture of the Arrowhead. And then uh, I'm here seeing you for the first time in 12, 13 years. And uh, I'm glad you were doing podcasts. I don't know. I think anyone listening to this, if they don't know any of the people, it probably doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, it's great that, um, you know, you're you you're not angry about Kelly fucking around with your wife, <laughs> and, and um, I forgot that I, I beat up somebody at the Comedy Underground. <laughs> I thought I did everything at the Giggles Comedy Club, and uh, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, everyone, thanks for listening. I know it's very sloppy. It was all over the place. I'm I'm drunk, 
and I literally have to move my car in five hours to get the fuck out of here. So anyway, thanks for listening to the show. James, um, uh, Unbookable, when is that movie going to be ready, you think? Well, you can get it online on the unbookablesmovie.com mm-hmm. right now, or you can get it on BitTorrent, but we're gonna we're re-editing the movie, um, and so it's going to come out again, and it's going to be on Netflix, or uh, it's going to be on Amazon or Google Play or something. We're trying to get it on uh, video on demand, so... Mm-hmm. That's our goal. And and, and, and James Inman, a, a terrific comedian, somebody I respect, he was on Doug Stanham's podcast. It was the number one favorite podcast episode ever. He just did a, a second episode yesterday. So please check James Inman on uh, Doug Stanhope's uh, uh, podcast. Listen to him. Check his stuff in the Heckler the Documentary. Uh, check out his uh, unbookable uh, DVD, which will be coming out and hopefully premiere in uh, other major cities. And you have a Twitter account, website that they mm-hmm. can follow you. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, James Inman. Uh, Jay Zinman. Uh, you can go to my website. You can find. I get a P. I mean, I James J A M E S I N M A N dot com, yeah. uh-huh. and uh, follow him. And uh, uh, we will. I will talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>